terrorize the world. Hello everyone, I'm Brian, and my name is Nick, and you're listening to the podcast from the Black Lagoon. So as something of a um, Halloween special, we're covering John Carpenter's Halloween today. I hope you enjoy. Somehow, I haven't watched this movie in a really long time. I saw it once when I was a lot younger, and this is my first time seeing it again in in years, so I really, I felt like I was watching it for the first time again. Um, But you've been a long-time fan of this one. Just this one? Um, I'm not even going to get into how much I dislike the rest of the uh, movies. Um... I just, I love the way this movie was filmed. There is just this blue hue throughout the whole film. Kind of makes Michael Myers stand out. Especially when, you know, you get like a scene where it's like very dark and Laurie Strode is sort of like in the hallway and you see the doorway and it's just nothing but blackness. And you just see uh, Michael Myers' mask. He's right there just slightly notice it but 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 you know he's there yeah i think they they had all kinds of um everything just seemed a little bit artful especially the introduction which is probably the most experimental scene in the whole film where we literally have a first person type camera creeping around the house so most people are going to be pretty familiar with the plot of this movie um in the event that you aren't you know we may as well run through it really quick Basically, um, pretty much the, the first act is the, like a classic scene where we, we have Michael Myers wandering around this home, um, his house we find out later, um, creeping in the windows and watching his sister and some other and her boyfriend there. While that whole scene is going on, you got to take take, an, uh, take note. You don't know who, like everything is in first person, so you don't know it's Michael Myers until that like last scene. And you don't know he's a kid until you see him grab that mask and use that tiny hand. He's <laughs> six years old. Actually, that's a, that's a woman's hand. Was it uh, Deborah something? Uh, she wrote the dialogue for all the female actors. Which, oh, you were talking about that before. Yeah, she did a horrible job. Which, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm being harsh, but I, I, I find some of the dialogue so horrible, like horrific. It, it's... <laughs> It's bad, but it's good. That's that's the charm of the movie. It's nineteen seventy eight, dude. It's got some. It's got some good character. I I enjoy. It. My my only gripe is, uh, what's her face? Um, do you remember the character's name, Mrs. Totally? Oh, she was miserable. Which, you know, God, that's so fucking annoying. Well, one thing that really um, shocked me with this film was how. I don't know, there's such like a sense of dread in it, and I, I can see how Carpenter would go on to make, in my opinion, a more technologically, and, and at least as far as story is concerned, intricate film like The Thing, which he would go on to make. This is such a, a brilliant debut um, for, for his him in like the horror genre, because I, I just, I guess when you take out all of the 
preconceptions and all of the fame we're, we're so primed to go into this movie to see it as Halloween, the classic film, but think about watching it for the first time and how like dreadful they make Michael Myers, a six-year-old, killed his own, his own sister, and then um, Dr. Samuel Loomis, who's kind of like the secondary protagonist, he has this um, great monologue talking about how this guy is pure evil. He spent years trying to help him, and now he's spending years trying to keep him locked up. He talks about how Michael has been literally for 15 years, staring not at the wall, but through it, just waiting to come back to Haddonfield. And he's like, he's oriented toward just causing havoc. Hey, that's, that's the whole thing, you know? That's what I love about this film. You don't know his fucking goal. You don't know what's ticking through his head. That's why I don't like the sequels, mm-hmm. because they explain way too much and doesn't, doesn't make it scary anymore. That it goes back to that whole thing of not knowing. You don't know. You don't know what's going through his head. You don't know what's making him tick. It doesn't pick up until like because it's mostly him stalking people. Right. And another thing is, who the fuck taught him to drive? <laughs> who taught love, him? Yeah, to they drive? tried to. <laughs> they tried to deal with that in um. Um, one of the monologues with Dr. Loomis, he was talking to a character who would never return. And they said something like, he's been locked up for 15 years. He's been locked up since he was a kid. How did he teach, learn to drive? And Loomis had this weird, I think he said something like, maybe someone there taught him. Like he said something weird like that, like trying to justify yeah. it. Now, like, kudos to the director. Maybe for someone figure. gave him lessons. Yeah, I think that's what it was, <laughs> which I, I don't know. Kudos to the director or writer for catching it. That may have been, kind of a plot hole but when you recognize a plot hole deal with it intelligently like that just seemed odd to me yeah (laughs) but i don't know yeah basically you know myers is locked up after he killed his uh, sister in this very famous murder Um, the house goes into shambles it becomes very much integrated as kind of like part of haddonfield's folklore the kids all know about this murder house Um, and myers escapes the sanitarium using Dr. Loomis's vehicle. Yeah, watching this film is interesting because you, I, I, I found myself identifying what would become horror movie cliches. Um, but I know this kind of cemented all of those, if I'm not mistaken. Like, like for instance, the scene where um, Lori, she's in class, and she looks to her left and Michael's standing outside of the window looking at her. And then she looks away, and then she looks back and he's gone. And meanwhile, the teacher is talking about an ominous topic in school involving the inevitability of fate and bringing things together and it was really that that's a really cool scene and movies would go on to i can't tell you how many throwaway horror films on netflix all have that look there look away well in the classroom or being followed and all of them are just many of them not all of them are shallower attempts to do what halloween did I'd probably have to say that my favorite scene in the film is uh, with uh, Bill. After he impales Bill with that kitchen knife. Which, how the fuck do you do that? That blade was not long whatsoever. But it was, it was like, it's an iconic scene. But my favorite scene is after that. 
when uh, he dresses up as like a ghost. Michael Myers dresses up as a ghost and he has Bill's glasses on there. I thought that was so just, it's so cool. It's iconic. I actually think that held up really well because I, I completely forgot that that scene was even in this movie. And typically when I go back and watch older horror films, they're not quite as scary to me as some of the newer stuff that's come out, even if it's really shallow. But that scene was unnerving. I just thought that was so brilliant. I really liked how um, how reckless Michael was. He would just kind of walk out onto the sidewalk and stare at, at Lori when she walked away. Or he would um, stand in public in clear view in front of the school and watch her. Or just wander over to the elementary school where that where the little boy was in that one scene. Or drive his car and stop it in the middle of the road and watch them. I, I liked how um, they, they didn't use him as like a film mechanic where they used him really sparsely and he only acted in such a way that would he was completely out in the open all the time. He seemed um, like he really didn't care about preserving himself or staying hidden. Yeah, I can kind of see it that way. I also see it as um, the art of maintaining unpredictability. Because you you think about it this way, you know, nor, your normal typical serial killer, he has a, you know, he has a formula or some ser- serial killers will only go for certain types like, and you know, that's very predictable. Right. Loomis is looking for him and he's like, he's literally like right there. He just drives right past him and Loomis didn't even see him. He had his back turned to the street the whole time. And, uh, what was it? The mask for Michael Myers. You know, William Shatner mask? Spray-painted white. That's very interesting. I like how the, um, small-town carpentry shop has spare William Shatner masks hanging around. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I believe, like, there was, like, other options. I think one of them was, like, Spock. Imagine how weird that would be if... Michael Myers was donning a white Spock mask. <laughs> yeah, the pointy ears might take away f- from me. <laughs> I like how the back of the uh, the mask, is, it's always kind of open a bit. So it gives his neck this flared out kind of look. It makes him look so huge and imposing. And again, like I, I enjoyed watching this film, really trying to look at it like I hadn't seen it before. It had been a long time since I watched it. And when I did watch it, I was an idiot. So I, I think I had got nothing out of it. But it was cool. Like, think about how innovative the entire film was. You know, like we'd watched, I, I've seen other horror films from around that time. And I thought this was such an advanced movie for such a small budget. And it, it's just like, there were so many scenes um that just blew me away, especially how it, you're right, it's a really a slow-burning film. And then we get this crazy scene near the very end of where there's this, um, the shrine. Oh, yeah. On the, on the bed. That didn't even feel like the same movie to me. That was, like, next-level, like, dread horror-type film stuff. Like, that was, like, I didn't think that that was even in this movie until I watched it again. Yeah, because you're just, you know, there's his sister's tombstone on the top of the bed. And then on top, additionally, there's, uh, was it Linda's dead body on top of the bed? Um, I think he was kind of recreating a scene, recreating the murder of his sister. 
I, I just thought that was like, that was, that was the perfect culmination of all of the slow burning horror. Oh, one thing you, you asked me to look up, um, well, actually let's preface this. The ending. You tell me your thoughts on the invincible, the invincible Michael Myers. <laughs> what did I ask you to look up again? <laughs> About how many shots the human body can take. Oh, that's right. The invincible Michael Myers. How many shots uh, can the body take? Is he motivated? Was he lucky? What What happened? What's going on there? Some people would say that he's just, he's pure evil. There's nothing that's going to stop him. I kind of say otherwise. He is human. I feel like it was just pure luck, to be honest. Like, maybe like some of the bullets like ricocheted in his body and they kind of missed vital organs um it's a funny thing to add into the film clearly just to add to the dread and horror um like maybe he's so void of emotion that pain he wasn't even registering it he would just continue on who knows but i, I looked up a um tell me because you think about it this way when Do- dr loomis was uh describing you know he wouldn't look at the wall he was looking through the wall he's basically shutting off all emotion he has no emotion whatsoever so i mean obviously he can feel pain uh like when he got stabbed in the throat with the coat hanger or when he got stabbed in the chest with his own knife he can feel pain so but go ahead what were you gonna say on your search i'm very interested i i would feel weird to um apply it to the movie but there's an interesting new york times article sometimes one bullet can kill somebody and 20 can't it's all luck so uh, apparently um 80 of the body is shouldn't be lethal if you're shot in any 80 percent of your body it wouldn't be a lethal shot um, it's the difference between if there are organs present in the trajectory of the bullet, then you're almost certainly going to die. But if it's 80% of the body is tissue, um, I think that number is kind of, I'm skeptical of that because you also have to think about the angle you're shot at. For instance, if you shot at me and I was sideways, you I double up on how many present organs are, are there. I feel like he just got really lucky. And I know that's like a bullshit excuse. <laughs> Um, but it's so definitely an excuse to say, oh, he's just, he's pure evil. He can't be killed. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And, and there's, I don't think there's any reason to, to pull anything supernatural into Halloween. Nothing in the film led us to believe that there's any pure evil that, that transcends death. Or I, I think it was just um, a, well, I think it's just this. It's a controversial scene in the movie. People wonder, could you take that many bullets with such a powerful um, handgun and then still get away? I, I think it's like, I, I think it's a pretty tremendous um, finale. So I would think that he would, you know, he fell pretty far up, you know, got shot, stabbed in the throat, stabbed in the eye, actually, as well. Which they actually added that detail in the new movie. If you look at like promo posters and you stare it like into his face, you could see like a milky eye. I thought that was really, really cool. 
but I just, I like, I can't explain to you how psyched I am for this new movie. And the thing that makes me so happy is everything. I mean, I I know I say this like a broken fucking record, everyone, but everything past the first movie is no longer canon. Do you realize how happy that makes me? Even in the trailer, was it? Three teenagers are walking and are talking about the first movie, and one of them asks, "Wasn't that, uh, you know, wasn't Laurie Strode Michael Myers's sister?" And one of them replies, "No, that was just something that somebody made up." There's no more like knowing why Michael is doing what he's doing. It's back to basics. Like, what are your thoughts? Like, I know you probably haven't really been following the new movie. Like, I'm sure you've seen, like, a few trailers here and there. But what are your thoughts of going from a movie with barely any blood in it to a sequel where there's a fuck ton of it? I think it's going to be very, very interesting. Now, now, hmm. what, what I would not have liked would be a, a sequel which, I mean, let's be honest, it's also kind of a revamp of, of at least what Halloween is. Because it, if it were a direct sequel and it were still in the 80s or 90s or in the 70s or 80s, then it would, all the technology and the theme and the feeling and the, all that would still be tying together. This is, this is a, a sequel that's decades after the fact. So it's going to feel different. It's going to look different. It's going to, it needs to have its own personality to show that it's independent. But it also needs to hold on to the most important part of what Halloween was. That's what I've also noticed about uh, the new trailers for it. Um, it's got an orange hue instead of a blue hue this time around. I, it's very interesting. I mean, I, I want I want the movie to be bold. I don't want it to be a rehash or a mimicry. Even if it's a good rehash, I don't want that. You think about the ha- Halloween. 1978 was bold and innovative and dreadful and disturbing. I want this film to be that. And what worked back then doesn't work today. It won't anymore. The same film won't have the same effect. So my question is, can they pull something off that makes it feel innovative and new, but still invariably feel like Halloween did? I don't necessarily think of it as being innovative. I think of it as more... We're going back to basics of what Halloween was. And I think that's what the fans want. You know, ramp up the violence. Let's make it hard-hitting. And each and every trailer that I've watched, I've probably watched all of them, it kept me at the edge of my seat. I'm excited. I hope all of you enjoyed this episode. If you really love what we're doing, you can even support us on Patreon. If you um, look up podcasts from the Black Lagoon, I hope all of you had a good time. Keep an eye out for the next part.